Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with Keith Myers, talking Seahawks football. This show is our midweek show. Uh, last time you saw us come in here and talk about the regular season predictions, we had a great time with that show. This week, this show, we're talking about uh, what we expect as far as player and team, um, stat leaders, award winners, that sort of thing. And so we'll have a little bit of fun just kind of weaving back and forth, talking about players, talking about the season, what we expect, all that stuff. But first, Keith, welcome in. Yeah. Um, It's, God, we were so close to a first game. It's hard to believe that we made it through such a long and weird off season, but here we are ready to roll. Our, Our next show is literally a preview of the game. So we're getting very, very close. But this show is kind of going to be just a fun show, um, just making up some some different things, some categories that we just want to talk about and highlight. And um, so let's just start right in, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I'll just start right at the top. Um, offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year. Or do you want to finish up up there? Um, but I I thought this would be kind of a good way to open it because to me the choices seem obvious and I really tried to work hard to make sure that these weren't my choices. <laughs> um, but they just, I just couldn't get away from them. How do you, and they just kept coming back. How do you have an offensive player of the year in Seattle and not have it be Russell Wilson? Yeah, I know. And I tried, I really tried to make it DK Metcalf. And um, I do believe that he's poised to have one of the best receiving um, seasons in C- in franchise history. So, um, and how do you not include a player like that in a conversation with offensive player of the year? And you still end up going with Russell Wilson. Yeah. Because in order for DK Metcalf to have such a monster year, Russell Wilson has to have, um, yes. a, a, a monster year. So I, you end up, and yeah, the only, I mean, the only way yeah. that it, that if, if Metcalf has a monster year and Wilson throws a million picks along the way and trying to get Metcalf the ball that time. And, and literally throws this out of the playoffs yeah. or throws this out of contention. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, but I don't see that happening. And I just don't see that as a possibility. So we both have Russell Wilson as the offensive player of the year. I, I just, I, like I said, I tried to go away from that, but the more I looked into it, the more I settled in on Wilson mm-hmm the new offensive scheme pairing with Shane Waldron and just, I think, you know, he's always been a really efficient quarterback. Um, But I think that takes the next level here where the team really has made a dedicated effort to kind of improve upon their third down conversion rates and so forth. And their ability to execute in the red zone has always been stellar, but they've got a couple of new weapons to be able to help with that this year. Um, and then the offensive line seems to be solidified. So for me, everything is lining up for Russell Wilson to have a career year. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I mean, I just think I think you um, they're they're changing their philosophy away from 
you know, we're going to, we're going to do things and then ask Russell Wilson to bail us out because they're likely to fail um, to, we're going to play to Russell's strengths and let him be a catalyst rather than a savior. And I just, he's going to have just a fantastic year. Yeah. He's got to. So on the defensive side of the ball, I really tried to, um, to give this to Bobby Wagner because I think Bobby Wagner just has earned it year in, year out. And he's just the guy. He's, he's just been the, the guy. guy. One of the, the guy, one of the greatest to ever, you know, put on a helmet. Um, six times. But I went in a different pro. direction though this year. Six time all pro, seven time um, pro bowler. It's hard to go away from him. Where'd you go? Leading tackler, you know, forever. Yeah, he's led the Um, the NFL in tackles, um, I think, four different years. I went with Jamal Adams. And the reason I did is that he's not a distraction. He's got his contract. He's going to be better utilized this year in a more neutral role where they're not pressing him to rush the quarterback all the time. He's going to be able to kind of fit into a scheme better. Players are going to be able to rely on him better, specifically digs to be able to be in positions um, that he knows where he's going to be all the time. And I think that really gives Jamal Adams actually more freedom in this defense to be able to be athletic uh, I think last year he was a little hamstring a little bit in a not pigeonholed into that one role where he was very effective in rushing the passer, but I thought he was less effective in other areas that the defense probably could have used him. Second half of the year, it wasn't so prominent, and he was able to do that. Now this year, with a full year kind of uh, under his belt in the scheme, and then this year his role is a little bit more defined. I think that he has a real opportunity to be the new face of the defense. Yeah. Kind of take over that mantle from, from Wagner, who's aging a little bit. Um, no, I, uh, I didn't go with, with Jamal Adams as my uh, defensive player of the year, simply because I'm concerned that he's going to miss a few games because of, you know, injury here or there. He's, uh, coming off surgery on his shoulders and just from the way he plays, just from the way he plays. Cause he's so, he hits so hard. He's so physical. Um, it starts, it wears, you know, he's not going to play 17 games. Um, it's certainly a legitimate concern. And, and so I think that you're going to see, um, other people have opportunities. So then I started looking and I'm like, okay, how do I not give it to Bobby Wagner? Because, I thought mm-hmm. for sure you're going to say Wagner, and that's boring for it to be Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. And so I was looking, okay, who else would it be if it's not going to be Adams? Um, and I'm like, okay, it's got to be one of the pass rushers, right? So Carlos Dunlap's name uh, just kind of just sits there as a guy who probably will get seven or eight sacks over the course of the year, which isn't spectacular. But what it is is he's the guy who sets everyone else up. And so you might see, you know, Daryl Taylor gets six or seven, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Alton Robinson gets six and Kerry Hyder gets seven. And you're going to have this whole mm-hmm. group of people that are kind of um, grouped in in that six or seven sack range. Dunlap's going to have m- one more than them in, in this theory, but he's also the catalyst because he draws double teams on every play. He makes life mm-hmm. easier for everyone else, including but when the you're linebackers. a sports writer, when you're a sports writer and you're looking at those nuances that sometimes we have a real opportunity and kind of understand those things. Sometimes yeah, 
beat writers are all about the production it's and got, the flashiness you gotta and get, so forth. You, so, you got to get the clicks and so you got to have the stats. And ultimately, when I looked at that and I went through this whole thought process that I was telling you, I'm like, what it's going to be is Dunlop's going to be massively important to the success of this defense. And everyone's going to know it who plays on the Seahawks or that really, really studies that stuff. But everyone's right. going to look at the fact that Bobby Wagner has 130 tackles um, and is in the top three in the NFL and go, he's the guy. And ultimately I came back to the boring answer of Bobby Wagner, you know, wow, the six time all pro will probably get his seventh all pro this year. And um, if guy gets an all pro, how do you, how do you say it's not him? Um, yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned a lot of contenders there too about flashiness. And if one catches fire and just happens to double digit sack and so forth, you, you might turn your attention in a different direction just by the nature of just the flashiness. And maybe, maybe that player impacts directly impacts a game or two because of that. Um, so you might, that that might emerge as kind of a dark horse later in the year, but we'll we'll see. Um, so let's start with the offense just as a general con, uh, category. And I thought um, total offensive rankings would be kind of a good category to kind of project mm. and see because of the new scheme. Like, how is this thing really going to work? Um, are we? justified in thinking this is a top five offense and i came away thinking yeah we probably are i think i had us coming in uh, in the end as fourth overall in yards and points and eighth um in rushing which which was good enough to be fourth overall um and i just fourth in rushing. think that that's that's yeah. interesting well no eighth eighth in, oh, rushing. eighth in rushing eighth in rushing third in passing fourth overall yeah no i um I think the the passing and overall are. I think points is is up there because I think this team's going to be really efficient at turning red zone trips into touchdowns and not settling for field goals. But I yeah. I have their rushing uh, totals down. Um, mm. at, at like I have them up at around. I have them up just because I think of health and Penny actually having a decent year. I, I had them down around twelfth just because I just see them being a more pass friendly team. They're going to get their yards there. I think they're going to. Um, so you're going to go against the perception yeah. that Pete Carroll has set up in the offseason, which is wrong. <laughs> um, it, it is wrong. Pete Car- I mean, the perception is that the Seahawks want to run anything. the ball more, et cetera. Right. Pete Carroll hasn't so, set up anything. There's been a Twitter narrative that some beat yes, writers well, have picked up. Well, it's beyond Twitter. Because- it's beyond Twitter. It started out in a media sort of narrative. And, of course, mm-hmm. a national media narrative, which doesn't understand Again, the nuances of the team he wants, and what's actually he being wants said to run so the forth. ball more, but not run the ball more often. He wants to be better on third down, so there's more opportunities to run and pass because you're yes. simply running more offensive plays. Yeah. So yes, he wants to run the ball more, but that's the key fact. The key word is efficiency. Yes, they want to create a more efficient mm-hmm. offense, even though it's a very efficient offense. Already, I think they want to be the most efficient offense See, in the NFL. In the past, they've had they've had two different things that they did. They either ran the ball or they threw it deep, and there was nothing else. And this year, what they what they're doing is they're adding that short and um, mid range passing game 
uh, the timing stuff, the rhythm stuff that uh, gets the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands faster um, and to his playmakers. And by doing that, they are going to generate that more. Pete Carroll talked about wanting to run the ball more because he wants, he wanted um, at the very end of the season, because he wanted to open things up for the passing game and get teams committed to stopping the run and have more opportunities. But you can create those opportunities by doing different things in the passing game as well. So when you, when they're throwing, you know, more slants and a lot more crossing patterns and, and, and things that are, that are more efficient, um, that's going to open stuff up in the same way. It's also going to open up running lanes so that Chris Carson can just go to town. And um, so you you're totally in favor of like the Shane Waldron approach of this entire thing. Yeah, like this this the, the Rams offense with Russell Wilson running it is is pretty darn hyper efficient. Yeah, can you? Because I mean, yeah. the Rams offense with Jared Goff running it was surprisingly efficient. And now you're going to give that offense the talent of Russell Wilson at the helm and the talent of uh, DK Metcalf taking the top off of mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. I mean, right. Right. That's guys. Love where's it. the, where, where's the drawback here? <laughs> so let's go over a, a few individual uh, performance guys on the offense and kind of find out where you're thinking they'll be at, at the end of the year, as far as production, how does this all work? So for, I'll start with Russell Wilson. I think that he's going to slightly uptick on on almost all of his categories, mm-hmm. except for 4,600 yards total. And a lot of that is increased because of yards after catch opportunities. Um, 38 touchdowns, so he drops a little bit there, but I'll share why in just a, a minute. And then a 108 passer rating. He was at 105 last year. I have that increasing a little bit just because of the efficiency increases. How many picks do you have him throwing? I didn't do that. Oh, okay. I didn't look um, at that. But what did he have last year? Like 13, 13. 12? Yeah, 13. And so I would probably give that. He's going to have more opportunities this year, but it's going to be a safer safer throws overall because oh. he he was throwing into a lot of situations last year. Mm-hmm. This year, I think he's throwing into a lot of more open situations um, because of the timing and getting the ball out a little bit quicker. So I actually see his interceptions either staying the same with more pass attempts or decreasing overall as a percentage. Yeah, see, I've actually got his his passing yards up ticking you have him have him at, at 46 i had him at 48 i didn't think he got to 5000 um but a lot of that is coming from yards after the catch like i think he'll his like uh completion percentage should be about the same i mean it was at 68.8 last year um mm-hmm. which is pretty dang high if he i think he could get right at 70 yeah. which has really been a goal of his for like 4 or 5 years i know and he keeps you know like um it's gone from you know 65 to 66 to 68 he could get there um, especially if he's being asked to do efficient things and not throw the ball deep all the time. Um, I thought his touchdowns would go up and not down. So instead of 40, which he had last year, I have him, you know, at 42, which I know is not a huge uptick, but I just think that it does go up and his interceptions, because he's not being asked to throw into double coverage all the time. Um, I think it drops from, from 13 down to 10. Yeah. Well, I'll talk a little bit about why I thought the touchdowns would go down for him just a hair. Because I think that the increased efficiency is going to get them in the red zone more often. But that also means that our running backs are going to have more opportunities to 
to take the ball into the end zone. And so those TDs dropping slightly on Russell Wilson end up going back into our running backs. So I have Chris Carson coming in at 14 touchdowns and Rashad Penny having seven touchdowns. Of course, some of the others are spread out uh, with, with other players that I didn't really write down. But I just I think that's the shift that we might see where we get to the two, three yard line um, and um, there's just more opportunities for the running backs to get those TDs. Um, as far as the receivers go overall, let's talk about those guys and, and kind of where you're at. I, I almost, I had like Medcalf and Lockett virtually the same, although I did uptick um, yardage wise for Medcalf to 1400 yards overall, but had 12 touchdowns. He impacts the game more this year mm-hmm. than he ever has. And he impacts the game a lot. Um, so to give him just a little bit more there, it could even end up being more than that. Um, but it's going to be significant. Yeah. So I was looking, um, at all of, you know, stats and stuff, you know, historically and, um, you know, looking at Lockett, Lockett had a hundred receptions, um, last year, 132 targets. He went over a thousand yards, um, 10 touchdowns. And I go, God, that's a that is a really productive um, guy that that just does all the things, and I'm so glad that he's back um, with Seattle for another you know few years. And I, I thought of that. I'm like, who is going to be the biggest beneficiary of stats um, of this new offense with the stuff over the middle and the shorter stuff? And honestly, I think it's going to be Lockett. And so yeah. I, I've got I've got Lockett jumping jumping up to like 120 receptions, 1,200 yards. Wow. Um, oh my goodness! And twelve touchdowns because he's going to get more receptions, um, because they're. I didn't do that. I didn't do that because I just think that he's going to be the guy that. I, I see what you're saying, though. Totally, I see what you're saying. If, but if there wasn't another player that I think might have an impact on those stats, I would agree with you. But I gave some of those things to Eskridge. Okay, and I, so you can get that. I and had I, Lockett as. I just don't have. I had Lockett as a thousand yards, and I had Lockett at eight touchdowns. So I had him staying the same yardage wise because I do think his opportunities might increase, and his touchdowns go down just slightly more, just from the the reason I I gave to the running backs, but also because of Eskridge. I had Eskridge coming in at six hundred yards and six touchdowns, and some of those touchdowns are being taken away from Lockett. I also have. Gerald Everett impacting yeah. uh, the receiving um, touchdowns and yardage as well. So I have Everett coming in at 500 yards and six touchdowns. And another player that is going to be specifically used for red zone stuff almost exclusively in Parkinson at 400 yards and seven touchdowns. So for me, I just looked at it as being a, more of a, a shared um offense this year as opposed to everything's just being forced into Lockett and Medcalf. I think we have more weapons now to spread that out a little so bit. So here's here my counterpoint to that. And the reason why I thought Lockett was going to be the beneficiary is the guy that's missing from all of the stuff that we talked about is David Moore, who's moved on to, to Carolina. And he, well, he got cut too. Um I did not realize he got cut. But he had yeah, he got cut. He's out there right now. He had um you know, 417 yards and six touchdowns um, mm-hmm. last year. And so they, the Seahawks went to him quite a bit. He had, um, you know, he, he had a big part in 
um, in the offense, especially in the red zone. And so those those touchdowns have to go to somewhere, right? Uh, those are the ones that I expect Eskridge to pick up. Um, and that leaves additional um, yards and, and, and TDs and everything to go to other players. And so I just have... I have what do you think about the increase used to... T- as- uh, in the tight end group. No, that's all. That is, um, I do expect that to happen. I mean, they used the tight ends a lot last year. Um, they just didn't, mm, they just didn't yeah. get, they didn't get the ball to them. Um, Disley was forced to be a, um, a guy who was a blocker all the time. And, you know, they just didn't get much out of the other guys either. And it turned out where the three of them together turned out to have the stats of one good tight end. Yeah. Yeah, they had 75 receptions overall as a group yeah. last year. Which is... And and this year, I would expect that to go up over 100. Between the three of them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a lot of receptions to the tight end position. So I think Everett's going to come in at like 45 receptions. I think Disley's probably 35 and Parkinson 35. Yeah, I don't think Parkinson's going to get that many. Um, just because I don't think they're going to have three tight ends on the field as much. Um, but I do expect Everett to get a bunch. I expect basically what I was going to say is, is um, Everett's going to pick up two of the three in terms of stats from last year, two thirds of it, uh, two of the three guys. Disley's going to uptick a little bit. Um, Parkinson's going to get some opportunities, but I'm not sure he's going to be a huge impact outside of red zone stuff. So what do you think about the running back situation? Well, the running back situation is interesting because I think that you're going to see the, them be better. Like the, the yards per carry is going to be up. Their usage is going to be down, but they're going to be more productive on a per carry basis. And so with that, um, it's really hard. Why do you think that their usage is going to be down when you said if the, if they convert more on third down and so forth, they're going to have more opportunities overall? Um, because I think that it's not going to be a one guy thing. Um, I mean, last year there were some injuries, stuff got moved around. A lot of different people got, got runs, but when, it, when it came down to it, if Carson was healthy, it was the Carson show. Um, and you know, when he wasn't, then that's when they ran into, um, you know, Carlos Hyde and and other guys. But, um, this year, I think that you're going to see Carson splitting time with Penny and Dallas and Collins. I think overall, you're going to see, um, a lot of mix and matching at the running back position. So I don't know if any one guy is going to just explode. Um, Carson only had 681 yards last year. Yeah. Well, you have to admit it was frustrating to watch how they use Carson. Now I, I get it, but they really restricted him. He could never really get into a rhythm. He never really, you know, had, I mean, there were one or two games where he had enough carries where he just really got into it and he was dictating terms to a defense at the end of games. Mm-hmm. I think there's more of that this year. And the reason for that is because I think the team trusts its depth better this year. You've got Penny, and then you've got Collins as well. Mm-hmm. Each can carry a load if they needed to. And I think that gives them a little bit more freedom to be able to actually push Carson a little bit, give him the carries early in games, knowing that if he, allow if him he to kind gets, of get into it. If he gets hurt, you can still run with Collins and, yeah. and Penny. Yeah. Exactly. So I do expect Carson to reach 1,000 yards this year. So, yeah, I mean, I was looking at that. I'm like, with that same thing, does that mean that they lean on Carson 
um, because they know they can? Or does that mean they're like, hey, we've got these other two talented backs that we can hand the ball to and they'll be productive yeah. as well. So we don't have And they've earned touches yeah. in practice and so, and so forth. And we yeah. don't have to run Carson into the ground in the running game. And we save him for the playoffs or whatever. Yeah. And so it could go You could see it both ways. It could go I don't like way. I don't like yeah, I don't like the holding back of a player like that. Use your weapons. Yeah. At the same time though, he's so injury repone. If you don't hold him back, are you better off having part of him or are you better off having all of him now and none of him later? I think you're better off having all of him as the weeks go on. And if he gets injured for two or three weeks, you've got some really good options. Yeah. Um, but I think you need to be able to use him. I think the whole restriction thing proved last year that it really didn't work. Like, it just wasn't effective to hold a player like that back. Mm -hmm. it, and maybe it was just because we just didn't have a lot of options behind Carson. Like Carlos Hyde got got hurt as well. And so we were just kind of a bad spot overall. Yeah. But now that we've got him, it seems like we're fully loaded, including Dallas there. And all, all of these guys can really receive the ball out of the backfield really well. So you could be right. Like running back by committee approach this year well, might be the, that, the ticket. If you were to look at it, if they're going to throw the ball more, they they need guys that are good in, in blitz pickup um, and that kind of stuff. And you also need guys that can um, catch the ball out of the backfield. And who's who's the the best on this team at those two things? Uh, Chris Carson. I don't. I yeah, no. Chris Carson. I expect <laughs> to have Chris Carson have forty five receptions out of the backfield this year for almost five hundred yards and an additional four touchdowns. So he had. That's what I wrote down. He had the last two years. So two years ago, when they played him all the time, and they really ran him hard. And he had twelve hundred yards. He right. had thirty seven receptions on forty seven targets. Yes. Um, and last year when they metered him and they barely, you know, they didn't play him as much and he missed more games because of injury and all of that. He had 37 receptions on 46 targets. Um, yes. and now what do you expect out of him with a Shane Waldron offense that specifically tries to work his running backs into games like that? Um, honestly, I would say, how about we could say 37 receptions on 45 targets and we just continue the trend because I think that if you are to look at guy at who is going to be the, the best receiver out of the backfield, it's going to be a guy like DJ Dallas, not Chris Carson, because he's, he's I think Chris better. Carson's underrated that way. He is underrated at it, but he's not as good at, I mean, you saw it in the preseason and training camp. Dallas is explosive. Um, well, and you've got to be able to use your weapons. Yeah. You know, and you can't just have a guy like Dallas sitting on the sidelines. You've got to be able to use him. And I think you're right. Uh, running back by committee to a certain extent, especially with the reception part of it, is going to be key to giving Carson a chance and, to rest a little bit. And if bit. you look at what the Rams did when um, Waldron was there, I mean, they had a three-headed monster at um at tailback and all mm -hmm. three of the guys got playing time and 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 their carries now at the end of the year they leaned more on cam Akers because he was the most talented of the three um but for most of the year i mean it was pretty even across all three of the guys i could see them attacking this similarly because you've got four guys really um because you have to include collins but of the top three if you're go with Dallas and Penny and Carson, they're, they're they have different skill sets. I mean, Carson's your grinder up the middle. Um, Penny's got your outside speed to mix with power on the outside zone. 
at Dallas's shifty and great pass catcher out of the backfield. So you've got three guys with different skill sets. I think that you go ahead and take advantage of their skills and not just try and force it all to one guy. So out of everybody we mentioned, how many of those guys make the Pro Bowl this year on the offensive side of the ball if you've got a top four or five offense total? You'd think you'd have you know four or five players possibly going to the Pro Bowl from the offense. I would say you're looking at five players to the Pro Bowl. Um, Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett, Dwayne Brown, and then one of the tight ends. If Gerald Everett's the guy who gets all the catches, I would go with him. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. So I'm thinking maybe Lewis as well. Um, okay. You know so that's let's, a, that's let's, a really, really solid point. Cause Lewis looked, I mean, really he was in the, he was in the rookie class. Like he made the all rookie team, yep. um, defensive leaders. So quickly, we can run through these quickly. We'd spend a lot of time on the offense, but, um, just cause it's kind of fun to talk about. Let's talk about the defense and how the defense will impact this roster this team this year and wins so total defensive rank so this is interesting because of how the defense finished last year and then we added some key pieces i think in the off season which makes it really pretty interesting to see but i had them overall ranked um 11th okay and yards allowed 15th because of their back end like question marks and then Rushing defense, I had them finishing in the top 10 at 7th overall, and passing defense at 18th. Mm, so you have them down as a passing defense. Yeah. I just don't see much improvement there this year. Yeah, um, it's hard. This is really hard to do because um, the pass rush is going to be better. The talent up front is both better and it's significantly deeper. But the back end, especially at cornerback, is such a mess at the moment um, that I I have a hard time coming up with expectations. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, they could really surprise us, which would be awesome. Um, but the way it stands now, I, I see them being middling. And 11th is kind of where you're getting into the middling part of, of yeah. the NFL. Um, if they're, I, if they're a top I wish 15, I was wrong. If they're a top 15 defense, which you have them at 11th, I think that's that's fair. Um, I think I put them at 10th, but that was more of a, yeah, it's about there. Um, but it's right there in the, the boundary between the top third and the middle third. Um, that uh, if, they're, if they're as good on offense as, as we have every reason to suspect they will be being a top 15 defense means that this is a good team. That's going to win a lot of games. Yeah. And so, well, and, and I'll need to point out as well. I think that they're going to be a top five, um, rushing defense, like, a uh, uh, against the run. I, I said they were seventh mm -hmm. about seven, five to seven, and they're going to impact rushing the passer. So I think that they're probably a top five rushing the passer team. But they're so bad on the back end that they end up being half, you know, in the middle. And so, so I, that was my thing. Now I could be completely wrong. And there's some opportunities for that for the defensive backfield in general to to surpass my expectations. But like you said, it's really hard to have expectations when it's so unsettled. You don't even really know who your starters are gonna be past like week four mm -hmm. 
you know, Sidney Jones might come in. He's probably going to need a couple of weeks, but he might come in and, and really flash and practice, and they might throw him out there, and he might be a starter. Or DJ Reed, or we, bless, we worried bless about Austin. health. Bless Austin. You never know. Bless that... Austin was expected to start um, yeah. for the Jets um, this year and has started 16 games in the last couple of years for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it'd be nice to, to throw a guy like that out there once in a while just to see what we've got. Is Flowers really improved, or is he just the guy that we have? Um, and he got the job by default, in, in essence. And Akella Witherspoon never really pressed him on that. So we just don't know these things until we actually see it on the field. But just on paper, I have my doubts. I'm totally excited about the, the front end of this defense. The um, defensive tackles, defensive ends, linebackers, and safety group are really solid, which which puts this defense squarely in a top 10 conversation. Mm-hmm. But it's that back end that I have question marks on. So I gave you a little bit of a, huh, that's weird for that you had the, the pass defense that low. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think the their, their run defense is top five um, and their pass defense is lower. I had them at 20th. And I thought you were going to give me a lot of crud about that, but... Um, then it turns out you have them down too. But for me, it's it's less about the cornerback talent. I mean, that is an issue um, right now. But it's more about the offense because I can see the Seahawks putting up points, keeping their defense off the field. Um, yeah, and and so, if, but if the Seahawks are putting up points, teams are going to come out throwing. They know, hey, if we have a, want a shot in this game, we got to put up thirty points, and they're going to be throwing the ball downfield, and they're going to be. Given up, you know, yeah. they're going to be attacking, trying to keep up with Seattle's yeah. offense. Well, you, and that means you're going I to give totally up a lot of yards. You. You're, you're just going to yeah. give up. Well, yards. you know what else you're going to give up, though? Hmm. Well, you know, know what else? You, this, you uh, give up yards, but you get interceptions. You get turnovers. Yeah, but you're going to get turnovers. And, and you're so sacks. That's exactly what I wrote down. Yep. So I wrote down sacks. Yep. Um, Kerry Hyder, nine. Dunlap, nine. Wow. Adams, eight. Taylor, eight. Robinson, seven. Like literally, we're going to be a sack-oriented type team. So this is going to be the the best pass rushing team in terms of sacks since 1983. Yeah, absolutely. And and the reason for that is exactly what you said. Teams are going to start pressing. They're going to be throwing a lot. We're going to have a lot of opportunity for sacks. A, B, that pressure is going to create a lot of turnover opportunities. And so I have interception leaders Blair. Marquise Blair leads the team in interceptions with six. Wow. I have DJ Reed at four, Diggs at four, Sidney Jones at three, and a few other guys at two and one. Now, see, you, you, I just, you, missed, you missed the guy who's going to lead the team in, in interceptions. Yeah. Quandre Diggs. Go, well, go, I have Diggs at four, go with but the, I have Blair just really kind of stepping with, up always, this year. Always go with the free safety uh, when you have teams that have to throw it deep. That's why um, I put Blair in there because I figured he's going to be kind of a hybrid defender for this team. Yeah, he might. He's, he's going to work into a lot he's of situations. Be everywhere. Where he's a turnover guy. Yep. Yeah, I just, he's a ball hawk. I just think that you're going to see you're going to see Diggs in the back end just feasting on. He's going to benefit them. He's going to benefit the most on, on ducks that get thrown up in the air, and he gets to or tips and all that. He stuff. He gets to slide over from his free safety spot and just. I can see pick that. up all these things that are just floating up there for him. Um, See that what's that's what makes this in, this defense interesting because yeah I put them in at 11th overall giving up some yards being a fairly decent um, rush defense and really kind of giving up a lot of yardage in the past uh, past defense but that pass rush is going to be so 
tantalizing and so effective, I think that it's going to start to really make this defense a turnover machine. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be the key to, to really winning a lot of games. Um, and I, and I think even with that top 10 defense, you pair that with that top five offense, I think you could start to really start to do some damage yep. depending on the way the ball bounces this See, year. One of the yeah. things, uh, the NFL and NFL media rank defenses based on yards um, and yards are so misleading uh, for defenses because giving up a ton of yards doesn't mean anything if you're not giving up a ton of points. If you are keeping yeah. forcing field goals or getting turnovers, then those yards are meaningless and that's why I had them at at points allowed, ranking ninth. Yeah, and so I think that this this defense is going to give up yards. Pete Carroll defenses tend to give up yards, but what they don't mm -hmm. give up are points because they either get turnovers or they you know get stops and force field goals or get them stopped just outside of field goal range um, and force punts that you know okay it backs the Seahawks the offense up, but they still got that stop after giving up a bunch of yards. Um, or they give up a bunch it's, of yards, and then yeah, they get a couple of it, sacks and push them back yeah. outside of range. It's frustrating so. to watch as a fan because it's not as consistent as you want to be, mm -hmm. but you have a, more opportunity for splash plays, which is fun to watch. It's also so fun. it's kind of a, yeah. you know it's a blend. And so and, and, and I honestly think that's what this defense is going to be is it's going to be frustrating. They're going to give up yards. Their teams are going to move the ball, but can they get the ball into the end zone? And I don't know. And, or can they come up with a play when they need to come up with a play? Yeah, but, Just like Carlos Dunlap comes up with plays at the end of games. Yep. And, um, and and Jamal Adams comes up with plays. I think you can add a guy like Marquise Blair to that equation now. Quandre Diggs is a guy that puts himself in a position. And honestly, I think Daryl Taylor, Taylor is a guy. That, and, um, and Robinson, those two guys. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even talked about Brooks. You know, so you add that speed in there and, and it just kind of all works together better. Now it could blow it it this defense has an opportunity actually to blow my expectations out of the water on the pass defense and if that happens mm -hmm. like if their pass defense ends up being better just because they are a turnover ball hawking machine um this defense could actually be top 10 top seven i think if the um if the if it all works together if the cornerback situation which is currently as messy as it could possibly be solidifies into something decent like if if flowers really does they, takes that or, step or they acquire a guy like sherman or a guy like gilmore uh, stefan gilmore yeah. i mean this is a this ha is a has the potential to be a, a great defense but as it stands right now i think it's going to be a good defense because it's got a glaring weakness but it's so if you're if you're gm john snyder and you know you know everything that we've just talked about. And you know, in our previous show, we talked about the predictions and that we're way over a 10-win team. We're somewhere between 11 and 13 wins. You do whatever it takes to make a trade before yeah. the trade deadline to acquire a player to impact this defense. Yeah, and, and the thing is that, um, you know, you look at what the Rams did when they acquired Ramsey. And they were able to bring him in and uh, he made a massive... Uh, impact on that defense by um, giving them an elite player on the outside, similar to what the Seahawks had when they had Sherman uh, out there, where you have that guy that just dictates to the um, opposing team's offensive coordinator, you can't do everything you want to do because we've got this guy. If you have a chance to go get a player 
who can impact a game like that. You have to. You have to go. go you have to go, go do him. it. Um, and you give up what you give up to get him. So, um, anything else that you have written down in your notes that you wanted to cover, or have we pretty much laid it all out there? Um, you had the sack leader as Dunlap with. I had Hyder and Dunlap at nine each. See, I don't have Hyder getting that many. I have Hyder down at like seven, six, um, because he's more of a cleanup guy. And I see Taylor, yes. Taylor Robinson and Dunlap eating so well. Um, they can just get there on their own. They're going to get there on their own before Hyder has a chance to cut, get in and clean up. Um, and so I have him actually getting, getting less. Um, I originally really wanted to put Robinson as the sack leader. He yet did not get, he had, he had four and a half sacks last year on very limited opportunities. 20% of the defensive snaps. Yeah. The guy is a natural pass rusher on that Leo side, getting around the corner, um, plays with speed and power. And that first step gets tackles. Um, it gives them nuts. Like they just cannot move quick enough because he's so quick um, off the ball. But I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to be playing behind Dunlap and Dunlap's going to get more of the, of the stuff. So I had, um, you know who we didn't mention at all. We didn't mention any defensive tackle in this equation. Yeah. It's because our defensive tackles for the most part are run stuffers. You think though, that because of so much of this outside pressure yeah. generated by You're, four or five guys, including Adams on the blitz, and maybe even Brooke, you throw Brooks into that equation Puna, this year because maybe, Puna maybe they Ford. blitz Brooks and, Blair. Puna Ford yeah, so who, is who could take advantage on the inside? Is the guy that's most likely to because Monet and um Woods. Woods, there you go. Um uh, aren't they're not the type of guys that are gonna generate a ton of push. Um they're run stuffers. They eat blocks, they are impossible to move, that's what they do. Um, whereas Puna Ford can get upfield and, and and be disruptive and, and that kind of stuff. So Puna Ford's going to eat a little bit. And then it's also going to be whoever is the guy that is the three tech in passing mm-hmm. situations, whether that is Collier or Rasheem Green, or maybe they move Hyder inside, or maybe yeah. Robert um, Kim Dietschy comes even, up off the practice even, squad. Yeah, or even, the, you know, they're, they're still thinking about bringing in the guy that they, they talked to, Gino Gene, Adkins. Oh man, if Adkins is a guy that just is natural. I mean, he's older now, so maybe he's See, lost that's a such a cheap way to really impact your defense. Seattle should be all over that signing right yeah, now. But who do you because cut? Because you can do that for like three and a half million dollars. Go get him. Who do you cut? Who do you lose? Um, who do you lose? Let's look at the let's let's count the ways. Nigel Warrior. Um, okay, no. Who do you cut? Dakota the, Shepley. Who do you do cut on the offensive line, or sorry, the yeah. de- the defensive line? Because you've already got so yeah. you've got so many defensive linemen that we've already talked about impacting this game. I mean, we I, haven't if, even if mentioned Benson If I had a Benson chance to get Mayo. Gino Adkins, I guess I would probably cut Brian Monet. I know that he's more of a run stuffer guy, but we we seem to be doing we seem to be set up to be fairly decent run. Yeah, stopping team. So maybe Brian Monet is a guy that they'd cut and hope to clear waivers and back on the practice squad so they he can kind of have a... Sh- he won't clear you know. waivers. Yeah, but, you know, his, defensive tackles like Brian Monet... His impact... Not really a premium in the NFL. His impact over the last couple of years, someone will pick him up because he's he costs nothing and you know he's got talent and you know he can impact a game. 
So. Right now, I'm seeing the roster as being fairly lopsided anyway, with 27 on offense and 23 on defense. I think you may end up cutting somebody on the offensive side of the ball in order to make room for a guy like Geno Atkins. Let's see, if you're going to do that to me, you cut Travis Homer as the first guy. Um, yes. That you cut. Absolutely. Um, and he, he's the guy who disappears. Or Jake Luton, <laughs> the third quarterback. I mean, there's a reason the third quarterback's on there, yeah. and he's on there to be able to cut. <laughs> to make room for Geno Atkins. Well, at some point they the at roster. some point they have to make room for another wide receiver because they've only got four, um, and so they're gonna have. Well, to, I think that would be Travis Homer. Yeah, you know, you swap Travis Homer out for a wide receiver I think, or whatever. I, yeah, I think those two guys. But you and I are on the same page. It's like you go get a guy like Geno Atkins. Mm-hmm. You go get a guy like Stefan Gilmore. Bring in Richard Sherman. It's not going to cost you a draft pick. It's only going to cost you some money. Um, but, but the guy like Gilmore would give you more years, more opportunity, more team flexibility. It's going to cost you more upfront, but the team has already generated enough cap space to be able to make a move like that. Yeah. With, with Sherman, it's, it's a, here, we're going to, it's a one-year deal. Come in, help us win, you know, um, right now. And then you're going to be a free agent again after the end of the year, but you're going to get a chance to play and earn some money. So come do it. And you're going to get a chance to go to a Super Bowl again. Yeah. That's a big selling point. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Great show. Good insight. Lots of lively discussion. I love that. Actually, it was a great show. Um, you can find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Seahawksplaybook.com has a great resource for you online to be able to find all the shows, find the videos, find some articles, um, get fully immersed in all things Seahawks, and then find us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, whether it's iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all of them. We're on everything. And then YouTube. YouTube channel is a great resource. We get a lot of discussion and feedback going in, on the channel there. So I'd highly recommend that if you maybe even just listen to the show on there. You don't necessarily have to have to watch it as well. Um, so until next time, go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.